Welcome to the Life I Lead podcast. I'm Nicholas, your host and founder of Eagle Transformational Coaching. This is a podcast dedicated to the enhancement and awareness of effective leadership in our modern times. We will interview and chat with some amazing leaders who inspire and influence those they work and live with. As a transformational coach in leadership, I want to motivate you and transform your understanding of your ability to be a leader, not just in your career, but in your life as a whole. Well, well, here we are and welcome to another edition of the Life I Lead podcast. I'm Nicholas, your host and founder of Eagle Transformational Coaching. A lot of the articles I've been reading recently and a lot of posts on social media uh, are talking about our mental well-being and our mental health, the way in which we interact with our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts and how they drive us to a lot of our actions. So I thought I'd give you a little reflection on feelings versus thought and the impact that feelings and thoughts have on your leadership. And I'm reminded by that wonderful film, The Iron Lady, uh, with Meryl Streep playing the then Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. And she comes out with this very poignant phrase. And she says, the Iron Lady says, people don't think anymore, they feel. How are you feeling? Oh, I don't feel comfortable. Oh, I'm sorry, we the group were feeling. Do you know part of the great problem of our age is that we are governed by people who care more about feelings than they do about thoughts or ideas? Now, thoughts and ideas. Now, that interests me. Tell me what you're thinking. Watch your thoughts for they become your words. Watch your words, for they become your actions. Watch your actions, for they become your habits. And watch your habits, for they become your character. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. I think that's an amazing quote from what I thought was an amazing film. One of the huge problems in leading people is this chasm between what I'm thinking and what I am feeling. Why is it that we have to consider people academic philosophers if they manage to articulate a thought process logically? I'll tell you why. This is because it is so much easier for somebody to say how this is how I'm feeling when somebody says, this is how I'm feeling, what they're actually saying is by using the word feeling, you cannot tell me that I am wrong. It became an affront to tell somebody that their feeling is not valid. And I want to challenge you. Feelings are based mainly on one thing, your emotions. The limbic part of your brain is designed to tune into your emotions. It's biologically distinct from your reptilian brain or your prefrontal cortex. Your reptilian brain deals with breathing and eating and sleeping, and your prefrontal cortex deals with things such as language, vision, logic, and rationale. Your emotions and your feelings are always valid. They're always real. They are always present. And they, more often than not, are the stage in which we live out and perform that moment of our day or that day of our week or that week of our month or that month of our year. That's how important and influential our emotions are. This is why people are so offended when they're told you shouldn't feel like that or I'm not trying to make you feel like that. 
because the emotion wells up inside us almost uncontrollably or subconsciously. Before we can control it or manage it or suppress it, it is there. I fully believe that we should change our mindset from thinking versus emotion to thinking and emotion. You are absolutely right not to let anybody tell you how you should be feeling or that the emotion you are feeling is wrong. However, so many people hang on to a particular emotion in a particular situation, utterly void of being able to ground that emotion in logical thought. To truly validate your feeling or emotion, you must move from that limbic brain to your prefrontal cortex, which deals with language, vision, thoughts, logic, rationale. Not doing this is like having an ashtray on a motorbike or a chocolate fireguard, a good idea, but useless in action. In the same way, leadership is built on life habits, such as intuition. Effective leadership is also built on the life habits of emotional intelligence. I consider a lack of emotional intelligence neglectful and dangerous in leadership as unadulterated power or authority. So how do you build emotional intelligence? Firstly, you need to have awareness, self-awareness. This simple skill is underestimated, underused, and often void on platforms such as social media, so-called comedy, so-called influencing, and so-called common sense. Self-awareness simply means, am I thinking about what I say and what I do and how other people will perceive it? Is there a risk that what I do or say can be received or perceived differently than how I mean it. Am I aware of myself? Secondly, self-management. How many times do we hear the phrase, I just couldn't help myself? How many times do we hear the phrase, I didn't mean to? How many times do we hear the phrase, it just happened? How many times do we hear the phrase, before I knew it, it... Of course, if you are the parent of a toddler, you'll always hear this phrase. If, like me, you're the child of elderly parents who still drive, you may also hear this phrase quite often. However, these phrases can show a complete lack of self-management in the habits of our life, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our friendships, in the commitment of our hobbies, in our clubs, and in our socializing. Also, to our work responsibilities. Self-management, similar to self-awareness, takes practice. They take a conscious effort. Thirdly, social awareness. Now, this has become more and more difficult due to the multi-diverse culture prevalent in our society today. It's no surprise that some people are fearful about sharing or expressing views regarding aspects of our culture or society. For people to talk about the state of government, how policing is exercised, the solutions to immigration or the implementation of the welfare state, this fear is based on the infinite varying amounts of views, all passionately held as gospel in each person's heart. The passion is based on experience or example, and therefore it's hard to swing those strongly held beliefs. Social awareness therefore, is often about holding on to what we believe to be our truth, 
about huge social attitudes, but being able to convey them, explain them, and share them from that rare position known as the middle ground. It is that social awareness that we are yearning for. Moderate thought, moderate belief, moderate solutions. Please don't underestimate your effectiveness in your life habits or leadership by moderation. Lastly, relationship management. This often gets confused with strategic relationship management, and it's very, very different. Strategic relationship management is about discovering who in your workplace or career can help you further your career, further the productivity or effectiveness of the organization, or make the operation of your role or the organization more streamlined and more effective. Strategic relationship management in our life outside of work means who am I surrounding myself with? Who will build me up? Who will give me positivity? Who will encourage me? Who will inspire me to better myself, stretch my thoughts and challenge my ideas in a positive way? Again, don't underestimate the power of a board of directors, which we more affectionately call friends, to have around you throughout your life. Without strategic relationship management in your life, you will stagnate. Relationship management, however, is quite different. This is the desire to try and make all relationships a positive experience. This is about rekindling that lost art of conversation, not small talk, conversation. This means that you will often need to be open-hearted and open-minded to have your perceptions changed. It will mean that you will need to rekindle curiosity in other people. Ask questions about the other person, not to big yourself up, but to show an interest, allowing them to flourish about themselves. How often do you set yourself that little challenge? You're having a conversation with somebody and you challenged yourself to say more and more ridiculously outlandish achievements in order to hear them repeatedly say, oh yes, I've done that, or oh yes, my husband and I have done that, or oh yes, we've been there and done that. Irritating, frustrating, futile, and often utter BS. A simple example of real conversation is not thinking about what you are going to say next while the other person is talking. Try listening to the other person, waiting until they are finished, and then formulating your response. The next conversation you have with somebody, while you're talking, see what their facial expressions are doing. Watch their mouth to see if they're struggling to stay quiet. See how many times they start to talk and then stop themselves. You will actually be quite surprised. This is all about emotional intelligence the intellect of how you deal with emotions. This, however, is not mastering your emotions. Many people say that they are emotionally intelligent because they consider themselves self-aware, self-managing, and socially aware, and understand the importance of managing relationships. This process, however, is incomplete unless we become masters of our emotions. To become masters of our emotions, we must consciously go through the emotional experience timeline, understanding what triggers our emotions, understanding what the emotion is, and understanding the response 
to that emotion. This is quite simple. Without wanting to go into too much detail or give too many scenarios, what makes me feel angry? Understanding the trigger of anger is really important. Being able to define anger is really important. Knowing how we generally respond to anger is really important. And I use anger because it's one of the most powerful and easily definable emotions. Now change the word anger to love. What is the trigger to making me feel in love? This is far more difficult to understand and even more difficult to articulate. Being able to define for me what being in love means can also be quite difficult. Knowing how we generally respond to love is also quite difficult. Why? This is because love can be mixed with lust, with attraction, with want, with passion, with yearning. When the emotion of love rises from our limbic brain, we don't always think of the inevitable consequences of love, such as self-sacrifice, vulnerability, forgiveness, acceptance, or trust. As part of mastering our emotions, it is vital that we analyze what triggers that emotion in the first place, followed by the definition of that emotion for us at that moment. Then we need to recognize one of only three possible responses to any emotion that arises. The three possible responses are a negative response, an ambiguous response, or a productive response. With anger, for example, I can negatively respond to that emotion by escalating anger into traits such as physical violence. I could be, like so many people, when they are angry, become sarcastic or passively aggressive or cynical. And this is an ambiguous response. Finally, I could respond productively. I could take the anger and associated feelings and pivot a situation, a relationship, a scenario, a problem, and take a completely different but more positive direction. To become people of thought and not just feeling, we need to learn about triggering, labeling, and responding to feelings and emotions. Recognize the emotion accept the emotion, investigate the trigger, and nurture it. To nurture it simply means to find the facts of the event and disassociate them from the feeling. This can become a life habit. If it becomes a life habit, it will become authentic. If it becomes authentic, it becomes part of our nature. If it becomes part of our nature, we bridge that gap between who we are in our private personal existence and who we are in the office as leaders, team members, or those being led. To help you become masters of your emotions, I will break down some of the emotional dimensions you will encounter in everyday life. Listening to this and studying this will empower you to begin that journey of emotional intelligence, followed by emotional mastery. Firstly, an emotion or a feeling is simply an impulse to react. It generally lasts about 90 seconds and it is often repeated. Secondly, and you may hear varying numbers, but secondly, they're generally acclaimed to be seven primary emotions. They are anger, sadness, happiness, disgust, surprise, fear, and contempt. Note there is no love or hate. 
other emotions that people might include in these primary emotions, but generally other emotions you feel that are not on this list is because they're a direct derivative from one of these primary emotions. Thirdly, there are four social emotions. They're guilt, shame, pride, and empathy. And lastly, there are what's known as moments of irrationality, and they are regret and apologizing. So using this awareness, using your emotional intelligence and eventual emotional mastery hinges on the regulation and the understanding of our own and others' emotions and feelings to be positive. A small reflection on feelings versus thought. And both of these in the mixing bowl of leadership have huge influence. If you're highly emotional without any logical thought behind it, you become volatile, you become unpredictable, you become skittish, and people don't approach you, they don't rely on you, they can't ask you things. If you become solely thoughtful and void of emotion, you become less empathetic, you become less compassionate, you become less sympathetic, you can't step into your team's shoes, you can't receive the feelings that they're receiving. So we need to find that balance, find the balance of feeling, emotion, and thought, logic, and process. I hope that has been helpful for you. If you are a leader, be kind. If you are a follower, then follow with enthusiasm. I want to remind you that Wednesday the 7th, Thursday the 8th of June is the Leadership Lightning course. If you want to book an hour with me to talk one-to-one, -to, -one, to discuss your leadership scenarios, issues, concerns, hopes, and strategies, then get on the website, www.eagletransformationalcoaching.com or email me, transform at eaglecoach.business. Reach out and uh, you can book an hour between, I think it's 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. These are two days I try and do three times a year. They're very, very popular. So it's an hour, really, of free coaching from me to you to help you strategize, plan, and move your leadership or fellowship forward constructively. Next week, we have an amazing guest joining us from America. So I hope that you'll join us for that same time, same place. Until then, have a great week. Enjoy the roles in which you're placed in now and take comfort that we flex, morph, and change as our leadership becomes more effective and enhancing. So until next week, have yourselves a great week. Take care. Well, from all of us at the Life Ali podcast, thanks for listening. I really hope that something has resonated with you today. I hope this podcast is the start for you to know that you are capable of being a leader, inspiring others, and being fully present and alive in situations that need you to step up and be a leader. So, as I say to everyone on my coaching courses and one-to-one -one coaching sessions, tell yourself aloud every day, I am enough, I am influential, I am a leader. And join us here at The Life I Lead again, same time, same place, next week. And remember the words of Eisenhower, you don't lead by hitting people over the head. That's assault, not leadership.